Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 21st. This is episode 76. The Mets have taken three of four from the Florida Fish. Another series win. Big day for my partner, Jerry Blevins, as he gets to recap two wins for just the second time this season. We fought through some technical difficulties. We're here. We're in the now. And Jerry, how was doing uh, pre and post this past weekend? It was great, man. It was, uh, you know, after my much recapped debacle of travel, uh, it was nice to get in studio to relax, watch a few victories. Uh, I do love, I really do love doing the pre and post game stuff. Gary Apple, my partner is the best. So I know I'm in good hands with him leading the way. And I really, I really, really enjoy doing pre and post game. That's awesome. Uh, It's fun. A lot of fun. I had to, I have to ask speaking of Gary Apple, because you guys did a segment this past weekend about a fan uh, doing some trivia, which has gone a little bit viral on Mets Twitter. Uh, I think he was asked who threw the first no hitter in Mets history, and he said Tom Harvey. Am I am I correct in saying that? That is correct. Listen, I'm all for getting new fans into the game, but we can't throw those new fans on camera at their first ball game. That's just mean. So he's not. First of all, here, there's two things here. Okay. Uh, he's not a new fan. He was ten years. He said ten years, ten which years? would have been would have been his first year of fandom. Would have been the Johan Santana Johan no hitter. Yeah. But the camera, when the lights go on, not everybody can be at their best. It's not for everybody. And uh, my man was a victim of the bright lights getting the best of him. I think that's the that's the excuse I'm going to give him. He got <laughs> he got he got a, a a lot of flack, and a lot of people came to his defense saying, you know, that's mean. Um, and I, I get it. That's why I didn't air him out completely right. on air. Uh, but Tom Harvey, and then saying that Juan Soto was a part oh. of the combined no hitter in his next question. Um, it's pretty rough, but again, the, the camera lights, when they come on, <laughs> not everybody can perform. Not everybody's a Jerry Blevins rocking that bow tie. I think the <laughs> worst part of it all was that he said Johan Santana later. He knew who That's he was. Why- that's why I give him the benefit of the doubt. Again, it's the, the being in front of the camera is not for everybody. And yeah. when the, you know, you don't know that until you're in front of it. Like some people are really good and think they love Jeopardy and they're the best. <laughs> I bet you when the, they got to click the thing and then, you know, people are asking them questions and it's being recorded. I don't think they quite know what it's like to be under pressure. Well, hopefully he'll be uh, prepared for next time. But the good news outside of that is that the Mets took a series, uh, their first series of the year against the Miami Marlins. We got the recaps ready for you guys, but I first want to thank today's sponsor for this episode of Shea Station, which is the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's time to step up to the plate with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $150 in free bets no matter what win or lose so if you're looking to turn another small bet into a big payday this baseball season you can do that with DraftKings same game parlays create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win total runs extra innings more and boom you have a shot and an even bigger payout right now if your same game parlay does not hit you can get a free bet back up to ten dollars i keep referencing that phillies braves bet that i've been throwing back but they just keep winning so i guess you know there's free money there if you want it both teams have like 15 wins in june they're looking like a surefire thing 
Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download their app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. New customers can make any $5 MLB bet and get $150 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code JOMBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and MLB trademarks used with permission. Very nice. Are we ready, Jer? I'm ready. Let's do this. It's time for game one of this four-game set, the first of the year with the Miami Marlins. We welcome them to City Field, and we got Pablo Lopez in the first start. Pablo was on the IL, but not really. He was day-to-day for quite a little bit. He comes to town, and we greet him rudely. Two men go on in Nimmo and Marte, and Francisco Lindor with his mom in the stands, brings them home with a three-run homer in the first. He loved that pop-off rounding first base. That was a lot of fun. Aside from a Brian De La Cruz solo home run, one of those Mets killers that we love, Cookie is spotless through six innings in this start. And then the Mets spark a seven-run rally in the sixth inning of this one. It was a McNeil single, a canna hit by pitch, no surprise there. And then Guillaume hits one to the wall, a 405-foot Single based on umpire review because the runners were in weird spots. It was a very interesting review. Luckily, none of that mattered because JD Davis singled to right to make it four to one Mets. Tommy Nance came in for Pablo Lopez and just blew everything up. He walks in, starting Marte for a run, and then he hits Lindor. Another hit by pitch for our Mets with the bases loaded to make it six to one. And then Pete Alonso says, Enough is enough. Smacks a grand slam on a screaming line drive to left, his 19th home run of the year. That makes it 10 to one Mets. Cookie sits for a while but comes back. Back out for the seventh, he would depart in the middle of that inning. Six in the third, three earned runs, eight hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, one home run allowed on 98 pitches. His ERA is now 3.96 on the year. Very good for Cookie. Uh, Adonis Medina came up to clean up, but he did allow some inherited runners to score. And then Adam Adovino, who has had quite the month of June in his new role in sort of that middle relief spot, he's been great. He lowers his season ERA to 2.92 to get the final four outs of this one. The Mets hold. The Marlins to 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. They strand 12 men on base, and Lindor and Alonso both collect a home run and four RBI in this big 10 to 4 win for our Mets as they take Game Juan. Excellent, good recap. Thank you. Uh, Lindor's home run in front of his mom, a special moment. Uh, really cool. You know, she had some health issues, and then the pandemic. Um, so that was her first time at City Field watching her son you know, wear the Mets uniform. So it was really exciting. Yeah, really special moment there for him. And it seemed like that was just the uh, the power-up that he needed. You know, Lindor had a pretty tough couple of weeks, came into this, I think, with the last 10 games not having an RBI and then really had a nice series uh, in this four-game set against some good Marlins pitchers as well. Uh, not to be discounted there because this is a good uh, pitching staff. Uh, but yeah, good for Lindor. And then uh, Cookie really pitched well. I, I wish uh, Medina could have cleaned it up for him. Because his line, he looks looks worse than he did. He only yeah. gave up that that solo home run, um, but he pitched great, good, nice job by Pete with that grand slam. That's always fun too. Yes, sir. And then you got a win in game two. What the game hell? two? Spoiler <laughs> alert! It's a victory for your boy. Let's go. Uh, game two set Taiwan Walker versus Braxton Garrett. Great name, Braxton Garrett. Taiwan coming off that huge ten strikeout performance in Anaheim. Could it continue? Uh, after a leadoff single, it does continue because he retired 18 in a row after that 
Uh, got a little bit of a mix-up in the seventh there, but let's get to the offense for the New York Mets. Bottom of the second, Jeff McNeil singles home Mark Canna with two outs, makes it one nothing. good guys. Move to the bottom of the third, Lindor gets on in the top on, a, on top of a high fastball and hits a two-run home run, his second in two days. Uh, three nothing. good guys. And then that moves us to the top of the seventh after 18 in a row from Taiwan Walker retired. Jazz walks, he steals second. Uh, Jorge Soler and Garrett Cooper both fly out. And then with two outs and a one-two count, he throws the worst pitch of the whole day. He hung a, a slider and Abacel Garcia hits a double and makes it 3-1. Out comes Taiwan after a brilliant performance. Uh, he gets another nine strikeout performance. Uh, Drew Smith comes in, gets a big strikeout to end that inning, gets two more on the next inning. Uh, that makes it three to one going into the ninth. Enter the trumpets. Edwin Diaz comes on. Uh, he looks brilliant. He gave up two bloop singles, two good pieces of hitting, no solid contact, another stolen base in there, but he lets up one run, strikes out the side. Uh, and the Mets win three to two. Uh, it was a brilliant performance from our boy Taiwan Walker. Marte goes two for four. Lindor goes one for four with that two-run home run. Um, JD goes one for three. Just a really overall good performance. Drew Smith with his 13th hold. Sugar Diaz with his 14th save. Uh, Taiwan Walker, after getting 25 strikeouts in his first 46 in the third innings, again, 25 Ks and 46 in the third innings. He gets 19 in his last 12 and two-thirds innings. It looks sustainable. He had a slider work in which he has really mixed in as a fourth pitch. Slider, splitty, that four seam, that little split change up. He's, he looks really good mixing his pitch as well. I think it's a sustainable, you know, maybe not at this rate of strikeouts, but he did a great job. And the Mets win three to two. Jerry gets a game two win. Love the recap there, my man. Uh, I love the Taiwan Walker note on his strikeouts. We saw all-star Taiwan Walker last year. He was a great pitcher. I don't think we've seen this version of Taiwan Walker yet. I, don't, I didn't even know that this was in the tank for him, but he's becoming a strikeout machine. He's faced two kind of weaker offenses uh, in the Angels. I mean, the Angels have some boppers in there, actually, in that heart of the order, but the Marlins haven't been hitting well, but that doesn't discount anything. Taiwan Walker has looked absolutely great. 18 outs in a row for him in that game. Uh, Drew Smith has really turned a corner in June. Love to see it. Kind of had a rough May with the long ball, but he's really coming back down to earth. 13 holds for him is very nice. I think that's near the top of the league than Edwin Diaz. He's just been the man. If you get dink hits again, him, you get lucky. But, I mean, it's a, other than that, it's just going to be a strikeout. I feel like I haven't seen Edwin walk somebody in a, quite a long time, and he's been very, very good. Uh, I want to have a conversation later about, uh, you know, with the All-Star game looming. I think there's a little bit of room for discussion there. With a lot of guys on this team, there are some locks, but there are some not-so-locks that I definitely want to discuss. But I get Game 3 today, and for some reason... I get a loss? This is not what I signed up for. I signed up for the bookends where I get to recap all the wins. That was part of our agreement, I thought, but apparently not. Hey, uh, I, I don't I don't play the games. I just recap them, and I, I know that I get two Ws. So you were fun. there. You had some leeway. You had some force in that game. Come on. All right, game three. The Mets take the first two. They're looking good, and they send out to the mound to Chris Bassett, who just had arguably his best start of the year with eight shutout innings against the Milwaukee Brewers. The problem is that they go up against Sandy Alcantara, my pick for this year's Cy Young, eating the most innings in the league, and he has tormented the Mets so far this year. Yeah, 
What do you got, Jerry? You got I, I just wanted to. So the the whole John Boy Media crew has no idea how to pronounce his name. Okay. It's Alcantara. Is it though? Alcantara. Is yes, it, it is 100%. There is there is a, a position player. I think his name's uh, Sergio. Yes, Sergio. Yeah. That's that's Alcantara. Okay. Sandy is Alcantara. All right, I'm going to trust you because I've heard a lot of different confirmations on in this. In their word. media guide, in the Miami Marlins okay. media guide, is okay. Alcan Alcantara. Didn't know you were a media guide guy. Look at you. You got to Proper when you say research. their name on air. Yeah live you want to get it right and so uh whatever gary cohen says that's what it is and he says alcantara just got schooled by dr blevins i can't even i just want because every like i listen to so many john boy media uh podcasts yeah chris rose uh jimmy um jake nobody knows how to say his name properly it's alcantara we get it right on shay station though all right so sandy alcantara has been tormenting the Mets for years, and he was just as brilliant on Game 3 as well. Uh, the Mets and Marlins both squandered two men on in the second inning. That would be their best chance to score for the first five innings as Bassett and Alcantara were just dueling. Uh, Tomas Nino slapped one to the right field wall, and then Encarnacion, the stud rookie who was going to make a name for himself in this game, he guns him down at second base. That was quite the throw. Uh, in the sixth inning, still knotted at zero, Marte clubs a two-out triple. It bounces off the right field wall in the right way so they can get it in quickly. Thought there might have been a chance at it inside the Parker had it just skidded away a little bit, but you take what you can get. Marte ends up at third, and then Lindor, who looked rejuvenated this series, he gets the RBI single. He had a lot of RBI in this series seven in the first three games for him after 10 games without an RBI heading into the series so good for him uh, Bassett goes into the seventh inning with a one to nothing lead a lot of pitches in this game as well just like last time he gets an out but he does leave with the bases loaded and then is it Gerard Encarnacion I believe I'm saying that right I don't want to mess up any more names yeah. this episode very good Gerard Encarnacion steps up with the bases loaded against Seth Lugo Lugo has him three and one Throws that fastball on the outer half. Nice spot. Gerard was kind of looking for a walk. He took a step to first. He gets sent back to the box. And then Lugo throws that exact same pitch, but the rookie was ready for it. Tattoos it to right field. It ends up in the stands. And his first career hit is a grand slam to give the Marlins a 4-1 to lead. Really took the life out of the stadium there. Bassett had a great start, but similar to Cookie, the inherited runners come around and they kind of leave him with a line that's not very reflective of how good he was. Six and a third innings, three earned runs, five hits, two walks, nine strikeouts on 109 pitches. Um, Jazz walks and John Birdie, the perennial new Met killer who just tags us in every series. He doubles him in to add another Marlins run. It was kind of all Marlins from there. McNeil had a double. Guillaume had an RBI single to bring them closer, but Sandy was just so good through eight innings pitched. Tommy Hunter came back, which was kind of a nice saving grace at the end of this game. He gets five outs of scoreless relief uh, in his return to the bigs after back surgery, so good for Tommy. Uh, the Mets threaten in the ninth with two walks against Tanner Scott, but they ultimately lose this one 6-2 to two as they head into the final game of the set. Good. Nice job. Thank you. Sandy Alcantara, as advertised, that guy is special um we had him a little bit but for the most part the guy's just he's special and you're gonna run into that chris bassett matched him you know up until the seventh inning um lugo threw you know a three two pitch that was a good two seamer that came over you have to bases loaded you got to throw a strike there um and that encarnacion man that's a good piece of hitting he didn't try to do too much he wrote it he's like you said he was a star 
He threw needle out on at second base on a really strong throw from right field to gun him down. And then that huge uh, grand slam. What a special moment for him. It was kind of cool to witness it again. We don't want to see that against our own team. Um, but that was pretty special, man. And his, in his, his first hit, that's something he's going to remember for the rest of his life. It's going to be an amazing story, whether he has a great career, which it looks promising because he's got some major tools uh, or it never really pans out for him. But that was a special moment. Yeah, I mean, we always hear about the Marlins' young talent, and it's always the pitchers, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer. You never really hear about the position players they have in the pipeline, but this kid looks really special in right field, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, and again, Seth Lugo on paternity leave now, so hopefully him and his wife and and their family is healthy and strong, and they, they have a new baby coming soon, um, so best of them. Yep. Uh, it was a good game, man. Tommy Hunter returned. Very and nice. there was one, I think there was one error in the ninth, yes. When uh, Peter Alonso actually tagged him, one of the first mess ups that our replay crew has gotten wrong, where they yeah. didn't review it. Yeah, but that was a you know it cost Eduardo uh, an error, I believe. Yeah. So, but that's it. Good that's game. All. You know, you can't win them all. Can't Sometimes them all. you you go up against the best. You know, even when the team was terrible, the Mets team, you still had to face. Uh, Jacob DeGrom and beat him so yeah exactly all right what do you got from game four game four we have David Peterson versus Trevor Rogers Trevor who had a great 2021 shaky 2022 but let's get to it bottom of the first bases loaded nobody out up steps Pete Alonso the polar bear himself he gets Trevor Rogers gets him on a strikeout but Mark Canna follows up with a bases-loaded RBI walk. The Mets go up one nothing. That's all they get. Kind of feels like they won that, but it's one nothing. Good guys. Uh, they, uh, David Peterson had at least two base runners in the first three innings, but gets out of it. He was stranding base runners all day. Didn't look his sharpest, but really had a good slider. Was able to be a good pitcher when he needed to. Uh, let's move. one nothing. Mets, bottom of the fourth. After J.D. walks with the one out, McNeil doubles, so it's second and third with one out. And then uh, Eduardo Escobar hits a short fly ball to left. Uh, J.D. Davis makes a great dash, makes an even better slide. You saw how awesome that was for Eduardo Escobar to get a sack fly on a really short fly ball. He was giving him hugs, massaging him, saying thank you. <laughs> so that made it two to nothing. Uh, and then on a wild pitch, Jeff McNeil uh, scampers home, pulls up a little bit lame, um, comes out of the game, Giorme steps in for him, but uh, he's day-to-day with the right hamstring tightness. It seemed like we might have escaped the worst there, but let's play it safe. Give him at least two days with the, with the air travel and whatnot, but we'll see. 3 nothing, Mets. Uh, bottom of the fifth, Pete Alonso adds a sack fly to make it 4 nothing. Let's move on to the top of the sixth. Uh, David Peterson gets one out, then allows a single and a walk, and in steps Adam Adovino, who is having himself a month. Gets a huge double play to leave it 4 nothing. Bottom of the eighth, Eduardo Escobar come up. 0 for 23, gets a nice big single, adds two runs to the Mets to make it 6 to nothing. Adovino goes an inning and two-thirds, has two Ks. Drew Smith, our boy, steps in, goes one solid inning. Yoan Lopez returns, and he gets another inning of his own after David Peterson combines for the shutout. Uh, Peterson worked out of jams all day long. 
lets the Marlins go 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Brandon Nimmo goes 3 for 5 with two runs scored. Alonso goes 0 for 3 with an RBI, left 5 on base. Lindor goes 1 for 5, left 6 on base. McNeil goes 1 for 2 before exiting. Guillaume steps in, obviously goes 2 for 2. And Eduardo Escobar, as we mentioned, stops his 0 for 23 skid, goes 1 for 3, had 3 big RBI. And the Mets take game 4, win the series 3 to 1, and Jerry Blevins gets a two-win series, big victory all around. Let's go, Mets. Jerry, you were the first person I thought of when they won game four. Obviously, you want to win the series. The narrative changes if you split by winning the first two and losing the second two. Um, But Jerry gets a two-win recap for just the second time this year. Very happy for my co-host. David Peterson really weaseling his way out of things this start. He had a very nice showing. Uh, Kept his cool in a lot of jams that we've seen him kind of let the floodgates open to in the past. Uh, Kept his cool. This is a team that does not hit left-handed pitching very well at all. So this was a start that where he could bounce back and really succeed. That's exactly what he did. And uh, we're going to need him because Tyler McGill is back on the IL for the foreseeable future. So PD and T will are not going anywhere. Uh, I had a very interesting stat that I discovered earlier this morning. Uh, if you consider, you know, uh, DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Cookie, Walker, the ideal starting five, uh, McGill, Peterson, and T-Will, they would be considered depth starters. And the Mets, with those guys starting games this season, are 17 and 5. So those depth pieces have been giving uh, the Mets plenty of chances to win early in the season against some pretty good opponents. We've seen a lot of good teams in June. Uh, the Mets are now 16-3-2 and two in series on the year. This team has been an absolute joy to watch. They get another series win. Uh, first set with the Marlins, and this is a Marlins team that's given us a lot of trouble in recent years. So this was definitely nice. Couple of things there. That is a, a brilliant find. The team is the Mets are. Let me let me get it right. Seventeen and five in Trevor Williams, David Peterson's, and who else's? Tyler start? McGill. Tyler McGill. That's wonderful. Seventeen and five. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very very um, good. And you know they faced. One of the best, you know, Pablo Lopez coming off wasn't at his best. Trevor Rogers, who's had a rough year, is a lefty that the the Mets have struggled against. Uh, and then Sandy Alcantara is, you know, probably the favorite to win the Cy Young right now in the National League. And they take three or four. That was excellent. Great job. Um, Peterson, that's what it takes to, to be consistently good in the big leagues. You're going to get in jams. you got to work your way out. Showed some guts against a not great lineup, but he he did what he had to do. His stuff was sharp. I would love to see him take the next step and be a little bit more efficient. He threw 100 pitches in those uh, innings, but he did get through five, which is, you know, a blessing for him. Didn't get yanked out mid at bat, which is also a blessing for him. (laughs) So, uh, you know, good win. We got a a good series coming up, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Do you want to do? I mean, should we do some Apple stuff? I think we should do. I think some we should do some apple stuff. Our eye. This one's kind of tough, actually. This one's like not an easy one. I wouldn't say so at okay. all. Okay. So it's not for you. So I, I, I have a lock for me. You have a lock. So let me go first. Okay, man. You take it away. All right. The lock for me. It is. There's some good. There's some good performances, but the lock for me is our shortstop, yeah. Francisco Lindor, is the apple of my eye. Golf class. Tell me why. So he goes four for 16, three runs scored, 
two big home runs in front of Mama, seven RBI, two hit by pitches. More importantly, though, on top of the great offensive production, he played absolutely stellar defense this whole series, making plays to his right, making plays in the shift, charging in. He looks spectacular. He looks really comfortable. He looks happy to have seen his family. His wife surprised him with his whole family, including his mom. Special moments galore, but the guy looks comfortable at the plate, comfortable in the field. That's what we're going to need. He plays every day. This was a big series for him and big moments. He came through. It wasn't just, you know, trash time, garbage time, home runs. He hit him in big moments and he again has played gold glove caliber shortstop. So he is the apple of my eye. Very, very nice apple. Yeah, I'd say that's a that's a solid sound pick for sure. Uh, Lindor got his RBI juice back. He's back up to third in the NL for RBI, tied with CJ Crone at 52. Uh, what else I got here? He's the first shortstop to reach 50 RBI in 66 games or less since Alex Rodriguez in 2000, back when A-Rod was playing short. Uh, Lindor's having a spectacular season. Uh, he does not get my apple. Uh, that was a very good pick, though. For sure. A lot of great defensive highlights here. I'm going to go for a little bit more of an unsung guy, especially in our recent episodes, because he's kind of just been doing his damn thing the entire year. Uh, but, you know, he's been batting eighth, so he doesn't get a lot of love. That's six sometimes. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Mr. Jeff McNeil. Some claps for him. There's a lot of good picks. Taiwan had a great start. David Peterson had a great start. Both of them would be well-deserving. Pete Alonso hit a grand slam. Stalag Marte was all over the place filling out the stat sheet. But Jeff McNeil currently on an eight-game hit streak heater. He goes four for ten, three runs, a double, an RBI, and three walks. It seemed like he was involved in every run-scoring situation one way or the other. A lot of clutch hits in this series. He is the best eight-hitter in baseball by a country mile. And I know it is what tweaked his right hamstring, but I absolutely loved the awareness on taking home on that pass ball in game four. It really didn't get far from Stellings at all, but McNeil recognized that Trevor Rogers instantly didn't break for the plate and he strolled in quite easily. I hope McNeil's okay. He's been playing hard the entire year, bouncing between second and left. Uh, and it looks like that right hamstring is bothering him again. We saw the wear and tear injury earlier in the year. So I think he'll get a couple days off and hopefully he'll be right again. But I mean, McNeil, he's now third in the national league for bad Batting average 326. He's fifth in the NL for OBP 385. It's getting hard to deny him an all-star nod, in my opinion. He's been basically the Luis Arias of the National League, the most fundamental, sound, pure hitter, uh, contact-wise, that I've seen out of any team that we've played. So Jeff McNeil gets my apple, and uh, him and Lindor get our apples together. I love that a lot. Very, very I nice. do as well. I love that. I, I mean, Jeff McNeil, his defense doesn't get enough praise. It's really hard to do what he does to be able to play gold glove caliber second base to also mix in some at third on occasion, but he plays, I don't want to say gold glove, but I think I might say gold glove. He plays a plus defense in left field. I would say plus he's defense really shown it off. Yeah, definitely plus. And it wasn't always like that. That shows you the work, the comfortability of him being able to move to that position. I've been so impressed with him all season long. He really hasn't had, you know, once he had that lull after amazing start, he started to, to really throw his helmet a little bit. And I think he's gotten back to that even keel. I think he's an all-star. I don't know how you can deny a guy who's hitting, you know, what it was at 326. He is up to, yeah, 326. Yeah, he's an all-star to me. Again, you're, it's going to be hard-pressed to find 
who's not an all-star on this team because they played so well. Um, but and yeah, I man, think uh, well-deserved. That's the discussion I want to have with you. Cause we're getting close now. We're about a month out. Voting's been underway. What do you got for me? I, I just want to, I want to say one thing about this past series that I think might come back and bite us in the butt a little bit is Miami Marlins ran all over us. Oh yeah. There was like three or four, I think birdie had like five stolen bases. Again, he's a Mets killer, but he like, I think we threw, we had a big one. We, we had, had to strike him out, throw him out, out yeah. during Bassett's game. But, but uh, Needle had to make this amazing, you know, from his knees throw to throw out Jazz Chisholm, who's fast. But outside of that, we're not holding runners at all. Diaz gave up a, a, a stolen base like everywhere. So it's something to pay attention to that we have to start focusing on it. I think they, they might have. I don't know the number. I didn't look it up while you know, I should have, but I think it was like seven, eight, nine stolen bases. Wild. Yeah, and, and the Marlins are a naturally fast team. John Birdie leads the league in stolen bases, but at the same time, this looks like a weakness of the Mets that maybe teams weren't exploiting before and now might move on to start doing. Uh, I mean, John Birdie has always been a thorn in the side, but Luke Williams had a couple stolen bases. He was used as a pinch runner. Jazz Chisholm has that weapon in his arsenal. Um, Nino, I've always taken to be a very good framer, and he has a pretty good cannon back there. Obviously, McCann has the McCannon nickname. But, yeah, this is a, a Mets team that kind of got ran all over, as you said. And uh, luckily, the the Marlins hitting with runners in scoring position wasn't very good, like, at all this series. So we really didn't get tagged for it. But it could have been a lot worse. I'm actually kind of glad you made that point. Yeah, and it's something that, like you said, other teams are going to note. You know, they have advanced scout. They're going to say the Marlins ran all over these guys. They're going to, you know, they're going to start timing guys up. So it's something that if we don't address soon, the the really smart teams, the the Cardinals, the, the Dodgers, the teams that we're going to have to compete in the playoffs against the Braves are going to be super aggressive. And so I imagine a Buck Showalter run uh, team is going to look that up and say, you know, and Glenn Sherlock too, a, a catcher guy is going to be like, hey, this is something we need to talk about. So he'll get with Hefner who will talk to the pitchers and really focus on that. Yeah. Uh, some quick roster moves and injury updates for our Mets because uh, the 14-pitcher the rule is no more. It's back down to 13 pitchers on the active roster, so the Mets had to make some corresponding moves. Uh, and we did have some injuries in Game 4. Uh, J.D. Davis got hit on the left pinky. The left hand is the one that was bothering him all of last year. Uh, the x-ray came back negative. He's going to go under. He's gonna undergo more tests today to see if there's a fracture, hopefully, Nothing going on there because we already have a fractured finger for Francisco Lindor, so we don't need another one. Uh, Jeff McNeely had that tight right hamstring. I'm assuming he's going to be uh, off the bench for a little bit, probably going to sit a couple days against the Astros, maybe get this series off. Uh, the Mets have added Ender Inciarte, noted Met killer who robbed Yoenis Suspedes all those years ago. Uh, he's, on, he's on the team in AAA on a minor league deal. And then Dom Smith rejoins the team from AAA Syracuse. Uh, Daniel Palka reported to New York per Andy Martino, but apparently was deemed not healthy enough to join the team. So Dom got the call. Don't know if that was like a misreport or something that actually happened. Uh, but Seth Lugo, he's on the paternity list uh, expecting something soon, so that's good for him. I think Jeff McNeil also uh, is expecting soon as well. Am I correct in saying that? That is correct. Oh. They're all like right around the same time. So Lugo, then you got Peterson and Peterson, McNeil. Right, yeah. Yeah. Peterson and McNeil, all the, those two are awaiting their first babies. Wow. Uh, so good luck and congratulations to those guys. Absolutely. Um, another note. So I wanted to mention this because now that the rosters have dwindled down across the league, I believe 
that the New York Mets are in a very advantageous position because I think Buck Showalter has been gearing up his team for this particular setup the whole year with guys going one plus two innings. I really feel like the Mets are set up to take advantage of other teams that may not be able to handle the 13 pitchers because I really do think with these limits that the teams, the MLB is in, in uh, inputting into the, the roster construction, you're going to need guys that can go multiple innings or one plus inning in the middle of those, those games. And the Mets have been doing it all year. So another smart move by Buck, I feel like he, the team is set up to take advantage of some teams that can't do that in the middle of a game. Yeah, we've commended Buck's bullpen management a lot this year, and I think that we have some starters like T-Will and David Peterson and McGill who give you five and kind of tap out maybe in the middle of the sixth inning, and that's not ideal. But there's no reliever in this bullpen that I don't think I've seen gone uh, one inning every single time out. We've seen Joely go for more than one. We've seen Edwin Diaz get five outs. Lugo's gone two innings. Adam Adovino has plenty of four-out appearances. These guys... Uh, those extra outs, they add up at the end of the day. They really add up over the course of a season, and all these guys have been conditioned to do so. So, yeah, I definitely commend Buck as well. Good bullpen management there. Uh, and I don't think he's stretching the guys too thin either. They're all getting their day's rest as well. I think we saw Adam pitch three days in a row one time this season. It led to the Castellanos home run, uh, and he's been protecting him ever since, and that just goes to show you how Buck is really looking out for his guys. Um, hopefully we get Scherzer back soon, and he'll be able to eat some extra innings there as well. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a, a grind from here on in with a 13 pitcher limit for sure. Yeah, I think it's again set up really nice. The only guy I see in the Mets bullpen that is a true one inning guy that uh, still, again, he's got enough time to be flexible is Trevor May. Yeah, uh, friend of friend of John Boy. Uh, he's your old school one inning guy. But I think you know coming off injury, they might try to stretch him out to be able to do that because that's going to be a necessary thing. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a guy that I honestly had forgotten about, uh, but he's thrown again as well alongside Max Scherzer, so both of them might be back sooner rather than later. Scherzer had his start at Double A Binghamton. He threw to James McCann, so we could be getting them back at the same time, which would be absolutely huge for this Mets team as the uh, roster continues to grow and get bolstered over here. So very good things all around. Uh, I do want to circle back to uh, what I was alluding to before, which is the upcoming All-Star game. Because uh, I think there's a lot of eligible Mets, and I feel like it's kind of a, a fun discussion to open up a little bit. Let me, I mean, let me pull up the Mets while you talk about your side of it. Yeah, let me look so at some of the stats. I feel like that we have some definitive locks on this team, but I feel like the number can go beyond those locks. Like Pete Alonso is a surefire all-star, in my opinion. I don't think that's a, a hot take by any means, especially because he's probably going to get the Derby invite. He's got the NL lead in home runs and RBIs uh, with 19-64 and 64 on the year. He's having an unbelievable season. Jeff McNeil in the top five for batting average in OBP. Lindor is having a nice season as well among NL shortstops as he begins to turn a corner again. Uh, and Edwin Diaz has been an absolute guy at the back of the bullpen with 14 saves and 2.30. Uh, I think these four guys are considered heavy favorites. I, I don't even know if you'd say locks. Is there anyone else on this roster you see that could maybe get the nod alongside these guys? Because I have one in mind. So Pete Alonso is a lock. Yeah, that is a lock. He's in the he's in the MVP race. He's really up there. Again, the only guy in front of him at first base is the other another MVP candidate in Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. But you can make an argument either way. You know. Um, but Pete Alonso's in there. I think Jeff McNeil will get in there. 
Um, I know Sugar Diaz is going to be in there because yeah. whoever is managing that team, who is it this year? Um, it would be Brian Snicker. So Snit, he's seen Edwin Diaz. He's going to want that guy on his team. Yeah. So Edwin Diaz is in there. Uh, Lindor, arguably, you know, he's hitting 240, but he's leading, you know, shortstops and a lot of things. I think he, uh, Dansby Swanson is going to be the guy because he's the hometown guy. Atlanta, you know, with Snitker being the manager. But again, it's voted in. New York can vote these guys in. Pretty good market to do so. Yes, sir. Uh, I think he's in there. Uh, who is your other guy? Who are you thinking could be uh, another guy in there? So the one guy I want to give some love to, uh, especially with the recent news of Mookie Betts' injury, kind of opening up the outfield a little bit. Hopefully Mookie will come back. He's got the cracked rib. We don't really know the timetable there. I think Brandon Nimmo is having such an underrated season, and we've seen him healthy. He's played 61 games, and I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but considering the injury woes of the past few years, it's been so nice to see Brandon out there playing an absolutely stellar center field and doing what he usually does, getting on base all the time. I think that he's one of these like underdog chances to get on this all-star team. I think it would be his first nod ever, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's never made an all-star team, and he's always kind of been this 400 OBP monster that's drawing walks and getting clutch hits. And I think that if any Met were to be the underdog choice here outside of maybe Drew Smith, who's had an awesome season with a 2.03 ERA, I think it would be Brandon Nimmo. And it's just so interesting because I feel like in the past few years, we've never had the Mets all-star conversation without talking about a Mets starter. But I don't necessarily think a Mets starter might make it this year, which is kind of... It's weird. It's very unique it to the Mets. Weird, but I think there might be a Mets starter. I'm going to talk about Nimmo. I don't think Nimmo gets in, even though he's deserving. His his on base percentage is like the worst of his career since his, you know since his debut. But he's still having a great year, playing incredible defense. Yep. Um, I think that's a little bit of a downfall. Let's look at some starter numbers. I yeah. think we have two guys really in Taiwan. Uh, and Cookie, Cookie might be out just because of he's pitched better. I think uh, the bullpen has kind of let him down with inherited runner scored. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Taiwan might be another all star because he's, <sighs> he's, he's five and two with a two eight eight ERA. He's only got fifty nine innings pitched, which is really low. Um, but he's pitching really well. I mean, this time last year, I think Taiwan made it with around a 2.6, and he had plenty more innings. But the, the difference this year is that Taiwan is striking out so many more guys compared to last year, and he's really been the guy that stepped up from the Mets in the stead of these two top dogs going down. Uh, I don't know where this team would be if Taiwan was the second-half Taiwan that we saw last year, but he just looks like a completely reinvented version of himself. And what a redemption story it would be for Taiwan to make the all-star team have that implosion, and then roundabout, uh, get that rejuvenation, and then make the all-star team again. I think that would be really cool. He's got a, he's got a shot at it, man. Um, I think he's worthy of it. Uh, again, Cookie, I think, could be in that conversation, but his, his ERA is up. Yeah. Um, but he's pitched so well. But I do think if Taiwan, we got, you said a month out, we got a bunch of starts left, you know, um, three, four starts for him to, you know, really, truly make a statement. And we could have five New York Mets very, very easily cool. in the all-star game. Absolutely. So get to the voting booths, guys. It's something that I try to do every morning. I forget sometimes I'm not perfect. Uh, and it is kind of annoying. I've voted probably three or four times myself. Look at you. True fan yeah. Jerry Blevins. I love that. It's Absolutely. fun. It's fun. That's a lot of fun. 
Uh, and then we have a two-gamer. I think our first two-gamer of the year coming up in Houston. Is that is that right? I feel like that's not correct, but I, I have no proof to back that up. <laughs> I'm going to look uh, it up while you tell me about it. <laughs> but uh, we have a weird schedule coming up. So we go to Houston for two, day off. Miami again for three, day off. Houston at home for two, day off. Three Texas and then go to Cincinnati for three, and then back home for Miami for another four-game set. Weird, weird, weird little schedule. Again, this is part of what happens when you have a lockout and they cram 162 games in. First two games of, of the year. But we're going to take a look at the Houston Astros because this is, apart from the New York Yankees, the Astros are the best team in the American League, much like you know the Dodgers – Padres and the, the New York Mets are the two best teams wherever you go. They're the cream of the crop of the American League. Um, so we are going to see a really good team and we're going to play in Houston, which is a huge advantage for their hometown because the Crawford box is in left, super short, tons of room in center field, all sorts of real estate. And then, you know, the right field can play short as well. Uh, but they're a good team. And then in game one, we're going to see Trevor Williams looking to solidify his spot in the rotation, who's been an MVP candidate for the team MVP because he's been so versatile. He has a 3.53 ERA going against Jose Urquidy, who has a 4.99 ERA. He's been really bad his last few starts. Oh, you have a note here, 15 earned runs, including five home runs and 21 innings pitched over his last four games started against some subpar teams in Seattle twice, Texas and the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Mark Canna is four for 11. Lindor is two for three against Urquidy in their career. And uh, Yuli Gurriel and Alex Bregman are both two for three and a home run off Trevor Williams. Um, and Williams has pitched to a 2.22 ERA and 28 and a third since May 11th. That is stellar. Uh, I got something for you. You got me on Alcantara before. Jose Urquidy. Urquidy, thank Urquidy. you. I'll no take problem. It. Hey, we help each other Urquidy. out. We help each other out. All right, that makes sense. All right, game two, Cookie Carrasco uh, and his 3.93 ERA against Louis Garcia and his 3.41 ERA. Mark Canna's one for four with a homer against uh, Garcia. And Guriel, who seems to hit all the former Met, or Mets pitchers, is five for 12. And Altuve is 10 for 26 with a homer against Cookie. Those are some really good numbers. Um, but this is a different form of Cookie Carrasco. Who's going to dice them up in game two? Give me two consecutive game two victories to recap. Hell yeah. Uh, Garcia's allowed three runs or less in 11 of his 12 starts this year. Really been great for them. Kind of has been that um, that guy that stepped up for them to really stay on top of the league. And Cookie is tied for MLB lead with eight wins this year uh, from a starter. Very, very nice. Nice quick two-game re- uh, preview for you. Not recap, excuse me. Uh, Mets are getting a little lucky here. They're dodging big, bad Justin Verlander, who just pitched a day ago. So that's good. He's having a Cy Young caliber year. Uh, the Astros, they are good again. They're good every year. They're going to be good for the foreseeable future. They lost Carlos Correa, and then they just made a new one. And now they have Jeremy Pena, uh, who has been very, very good. He's currently sidelined, though, so we won't see him 
This lineup bangs. Alex Bregman's having a bad year, but even with a 106 OPS plus, he's still effective. Uh, Jose Altuve is awesome. Kyle Tucker's great. And Jordan Alvarez is going to be a sight to behold. If you're looking out for any hitter in this series, it should be Jordan, who's slugging 623 with a 1.026 OPS. That is a big, bad man with 18 home runs, and he is going to crush any pitcher that comes his way. That's a tough at-bat for anybody, but I got faith in our guys. Trevor Williams has been great, and it's kind of an interesting bout right here. Uh, because Williams is getting a shot at the rotation again, but Scherzer is coming back soon. So the Mets have a decision to make whether they go six-man or Peterson or Williams gets bumped. It's kind of an audition game for him. So I'm hoping he shows out and has a good outing against the Astros. We also get to dodge Framber Valdez, which is nice. Uh, So the Mets get sort of the weaker part of this Astros rotation, which is uh, very advantageous for us. Yeah, Jordan, uh, if you're into OPS plus, he has a, a 193 OPS plus. Um, Kyle Tucker's kind of having a little bit of a down year. He's their right fielder. Uh, he's only at 105. Um, they have some holes in their lineup. They're not, Yuli Guriel kind of is starting to show his age at 38. Um, Martin Maldonado, their catchers are, are not hitting hardly at all. Uh, Jose Castro's not, or Jason Castro, I mean, is not hitting at all either. Um, you know, Bregman's having a down year, but it's always dangerous. Michael Brantley is still incredible. He's not showing his age at all. He's maybe, maybe the best hitter, just pure hitter, you know, this side of Jose or this side of Juan Soto. He's just so sound. He doesn't do anything too crazy. Never gets looked silly. Um, just a really good hitter. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun couple of games. Like we said, we should take advantage of not seeing Framber Valdez uh, or Justin Verlander. Um, that is a, a big win for us. Yeah, They're both having stellar years. I can't believe how good Verlander is after coming off Tommy John. Pretty impressive. For and sure. 30, I know, he's 39, and he's going to start the All-Star game. He's older than you. That's that crazy. is a, that is dodging though. the hall of famer. You're not old. So I, I wouldn't take that to heart too much. No, he's um, older than me though. I know, but he, f- that means he's not old either. He's only a year older than you. <laughs> it means he's young. What the hell? In baseball years, he's 2000 <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, one thing we should note is that the Astros uh, have the best bullpen ERA in baseball. We can't dodge them, we, so we have to get fat on these starters. They have Ryan Presley at the back end, who's been great. Ryan Stanek with a 0.78 ERA in 23 innings. How about that? Seth Martinez has pitched 16 innings, and he hasn't allowed a run this year. They have some dynamite weapons back there. Old friend Hector Naris is also back there as well from the Phillies. They could use him right now. I was going to say, we've gotten to uh, Hector Naris a lot. Uh also, they have a guy that Mets fans might remember by by the name of, uh, let me see, Rafael Montero. Wow. Do you know who that is? I think it rings a bell. Wasn't he supposed to be better He's than Jacob DeGrom? He's having a resurgent career coming in the back end of a bullpen. He had a, he had a really good year a couple years ago. He has a two ERA right now in 26 innings. He's doing great. A lot of strikeouts, not a lot of hits, not a lot of walks. Um, I like Monty. I've been in the bullpen with him uh, a couple of years. Good guy. Nice to see him having uh, a good career. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him give it up to the Mets, though. Yeah, it would be pretty nice. I don't think we've seen him this, uh, since he's left, but we had him. I think he was at one point the number one prospect in our system. He was the highly touted starter ahead of Harvey, ahead of DeGrom, ahead of all those guys. Never quite figured it out, but he's become quite the bullpen weapon 
uh, for Houston. They traded for him from Seattle last year, I believe, in the Kendall Graveman trade. That was a big uh, kerfuffle in the middle of the season after they had just played each other. But he is fit in very nicely. Yeah, it was weird, too, because Seattle was trying to win, and they traded away their best bullpen. It was strange. It was strange for sure. In retrospect, they get Abraham Toro for like six years of control. So I understand it from that side. But in the team chemistry side, it really messed up that team yeah. in the middle of the season. They did rebound. Just so you know, Abraham Toro is a big league name. Yes, that's a great big league <laughs> name. I hard agree with that for sure. I want to see what's the what's the best big league name we got on the Astros. I'm going to try and find it. I like. Oh, I like Brian Abreu because there's a lot of bees in there. That's like that feels good. But uh, your Don Alvarez is a strong one, and he just happens to be a great player as well. Brandon Bialak? I don't even know that guy. Brandon Bialak? <laughs> Bialak? Brandon Bialak? The double B? Kyle Tucker seems strong too. Tucker. Yeah. That's like Yuli, Yuli Gurriel. Uh, is a great name. It's a mouthful. Just, just, I don't know if I've told this story, but I really tried to name our second son uh, Ulysses. Wow. Only my, my wife, I knew it would be a no. My <laughs> wife immediately was like, there's no way. But I wanted to call call him Yuli because I think that's an awesome name. Yuli Blevins is a nice name. I like that. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, but my wife looked at me and was like, no. Not was happening. Like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> I mean, hey, right. Asher and Ellis are good names. Yeah, Asher, we went with Asher, you know, I think that's a great name as well, but I'll tell him one day, but like, you could have been Yuli, he's like, thank God mom said no. Yeah, thanks God, thank God she intervened, I don't know what that would have been. You would have been Ulysses, from the 18, it would have been the only name that I could have given him that's older than Jerry. God, yeah, no, you're probably right, I don't know how far back Jerry goes, but it seems prehistoric. I mean, yeah, there's no new kids being named Jerry. I Speaking promise. of Jerry uh, and Jerry Seinfeld, I guess that's my connection there. I, a lot of people saw your bow tie look and I saw a side by side of you and Kramer from Seinfeld. Uh, I thought it Ooh. was pretty, I, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I quite saw it. I would, I want, I wonder if you saw this as well. I think it was in our Shea Station. Replies. I didn't see it. Gave me a good I, laugh. I think I heard it. Yeah. I get a lot of, I get a lot of, Hey, I love the bow tie. That's great. And then I get a lot of, how old are you? Are you 105 <laughs> years old? Like, who do you think you are? I get um, Kramer. Some people say like Pee Wee Herman. Um, some people say I look like I'm I'm really good at science. Uh, like a, like a like a Bill Nye type. I like a Bill Nye reference. <laughs> and I say, you know, whatever. I I like to wear what I like to wear. I like the bow tie. You may like it or you may not, but I will be me. Listen, may, wearing the bow tie is a like a a brave choice. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can pull off the bow tie look, and I thought you did a pretty sound job. Thank you, sir. I will continue always to dress however I want to, to wear my hair however I want to. I will be me regardless of what anybody says on the internet. But uh, I think sometimes I do get a funny reference, um, which is I'm all for it. So the I'm theme be comfortable in my own skin. I promise you that the theme to take away is that Jerry won't change for nobody. And you better realize that if you're listening. In. <laughs> you that? Hey, be who you are, man. That's Hell all yeah. I'm saying. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proponent of being yourself and I can't be anything else. Hell yeah. I won't fake. I won't fake it. Um, I promise. We should end every episode with some Jerry wisdom. I feel like that's, that's appropriate. <laughs> Something to we'll take run away. out quick. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that is it for our episode of Shea Station number 76. 
We will see you again on Thursday to talk some Mets Astros and preview Mets Marlins. We'll see you then. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Alonso to his left, flipped to the ground like a